0: of that's a rap podcast i'm your co-host jay rosales uh, we've got a special episode for you guys today and uh, i'm not going to mix any words i'll pass it over to our co-host here jay how's it going it's going very well but
1: it's frankly not about me jason uh, who is it actually about
2: oh man i'm so excited to introduce our next guest um he's the play-by-play as well as the tv silent reporter for your toronto raptors and to us fans he is the biggest, if not the most recognizable voice in Raptors Nation. We're very, very, very happy to welcome Eric Smith to the That's A Rap podcast. Eric, how are you, my friend? I'm great, guys. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so good, man. Again, thank you so much for uh, giving us your time here. And I just want to, you know, first of all, how are you doing? How are you doing during this uh, during this time of, you know, uncertainty during this time of pandemic? How are you feeling, brother?
3: Uh, well, first of all, thanks for the kind words off the top. I appreciate that and, uh, you know, feeling okay. It's, uh, I probably got, like like all of you and like so many people uh, that are listening right now, it's, um, it's, it's been frustrating at times. Uh, yeah. It's been confusing at times, um, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of just, and I hate to sound cliche, but it, but it's just sort of getting through day by day. Uh, you know, some days are better than others. Some days are, are more exciting than others. And some days are you. certainly more boring and frustrating than others. <laughs> and, you know, compound that with the. Uh, with a kid and a wife and everybody under the same roof. And I don't know what your family situations are, but Mm -hmm. it just kind of, you know, it uh, it just amplifies things, both pro and con. So it's it's been tough. uh, But knock on wood, um, I do know some people that uh, have been sick with with COVID-19. I know Mm -hmm. um, loosely uh, one person that passed away, unfortunately, as well. But as far as my own direct family, my own, um, you know, close friends and whatnot. Again, I'm literally knocking on wood as I say this, Uh, I, I, I haven't been impacted directly directly to this point so mm-hmm. fingers crossed that uh, that that my friends and family stay safe and all of yours do as well and and we get through this uh, as best as we can
2: amazing yeah i mean like uh, w- w- this has been talked about already but i know that uh during your time uh in isolation you you stayed pat you stayed pat in your room and you had the the you know, you, you, just to make sure that your family was safe. And uh, I know that your wife was there to give you, give you coffee and give you food whenever you <laughs> wanted. And so that's, I'm glad that you did your part in being such a great influence to, you know, the people who listen to you, like myself and my co-host. So we want to thank you for that. You know, all the pandemic aside, we do want to talk to you about the NBA and what's going on because there have been some breaking news when it comes to possibly the NBA coming back. So, there hasn't really been any confirmation just yet with the NBA, but the possibility of the NBA returning is in full effect. And the most probable city for the NBA to return is Orlando. So, Eric, we want to know, and the fans want to know, first off, how do you think about that? Do you think this is a good idea uh, for presumably the 16 teams, uh, 60 NBA teams, players, personnel, and possibly the family members to all be centralized in this hub to restart the season? What, your, what were your initial thoughts when you heard about the possible return of the NBA coming back in, I think, July?
3: yeah i i mean as you said the the details are still a little bit uh, sketchy in terms of you know knowing truly how they they foresee this but um i i feel like if we were to compare the two cities that we've heard so much about orlando and las vegas um i don't know if you guys have been to one or both or neither uh, i've been to both mm-hmm. um i don't see how las vegas would work because while there's no denying they have the facilities in terms of the the arena the gym and they certainly have the hotels. I'm not sure how you would be able to um, safely contain or house the players within those hotels um, unless you were to simply say, you know, hypothetically, I'm just arbitrarily pulling a place out. Uh, we, can, we can house the entire 16 teams, all staff, all coaches, all referees, game ops, players, right. players' families, whatever. We can house them all in the MGM grant and we'll play out of the MGM grant. Okay, fine. But you can't leave the MGM Grand. And and this hotel is only being used for the MBA. It's it's shut down to anybody and everybody else for the next 3 months. And you can't go out on the Vegas Strip. You can't go anywhere. You must stay in the MGM Grand. If that's the case, then I think it could work. But if you've got some guys in the MGM or some people at Mandalay Bay and then you're, you know, some some dude decides, you know, to do a late night run to the CVS to pick up some snacks or something <laughs> or whatever else, it's not going to work because of the potential exposure, obviously, and, and, and becoming in contact with the general public and, and whatnot. Whereas I think the example in Orlando at Disney World, and again, I've been there, um, I, I, I feel like that's a gated community that is a city uh, you know, in itself. And if you were to tell the, the NBA, and again, all of the coaches, staff, et cetera, et cetera, anybody that's, when I say NBA, obviously I'm talking to anybody, anybody in that, 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 that group, that party, if you were to tell them, you can't go out into the greater Orlando area, but you can still roam all of the grounds of Disney. Now, I don't think the park's going to be open. I don't think the rides will be going, but you can go for walks, runs, bike rides. You can go sit out in the grass. Maybe a couple of the restaurants would be open as long as the staff of those restaurants is also being quarantined or isolated within the compounds, within right. the, the, the gated area. I feel like that could work because the Disney property especially when we talk about, what is it, Disney World and, and Animal Kingdom or Animal Planet, whatever it is, <laughs> Animal Kingdom, Center, yeah. All, yeah, all these things, it's huge. Yes. And you could probably even safely use the monorail system that exists, as crazy as that might sound, to they allow people to get out and explore. Avatar.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Maybe, you know, <laughs> like just things, that, there would be stuff to do. Again, even if there are no rides running, there would be things to do in a safe, gated sort of lockdown area. So that, to me, makes sense. Now, as it relates to, between the lines on the floor, I think we would all agree that everything you might say or anything I might say is, is clearly um, rooted in, as long as it's safe, as long as it's deemed safe, deemed healthy, et cetera. That's, you know, to, to avoid saying that over and over over the next half hour or whatever, this is all based on if it's deemed safe and proper and, and, it's, and it's okay to do so. Right. Um, I think that the return to play could work should work would work in this controlled environment with no fans but here's the other thing you might have at least 500 a thousand maybe 2,000 potential fans if players are allowed to bring family you know wouldn't Mm -hmm. it be kind of cool to Mm -hmm. see the raptors playing you know whomever the brooklyn nets and half the league is in the stands there's james harden and russell westbrook you know watching the game that's true that's a good point it's kind of got like a what else are they going to do they're going to sit in their hotel rooms they're going to be going for a walk i'm sure you're going to get a bunch of players and coaches in the stands watching these games so you actually might have a bit of a vibe bit of an atmosphere um the broadcasts are certainly going to sound different because i would imagine things would be done remotely uh, mm-hmm. i'd be shocked if if local or national broadcasters were allowed into the compound and into the buildings i got to imagine it's going to be Uh, a satellite feed that's sent out, and then each local broadcaster calls their own game with their own, you know, graphics and statistics and and everything else, and radio calls it off a monitor and broadcasts that, you know, onto onto the radio. Uh, That's what I would assume. So I feel like this could be done. The biggest question ultimately is, are we, you know, ending the regular season and fast-tracking straight to the playoffs? And if we're fast-tracking straight to the playoffs, are we going one through eight in each conference, or is it going to be the reseeded one to 16? Because it sounds like there's been a lot of steam and a lot of momentum for the one to 16. But I feel like if you have everybody under one roof in one location, why can't you do one through eight and have the conferences still? To me, it's different, say in hockey, if you're gonna have two or three or four different hub cities, and thus you maybe have the need to go one through 16 or one through 24, whatever their sort of confusing format is right now, um, because you're spread out. But if you have all 16 teams under one roof, why can't you still go under the same setup, the same format as one through eight east, one through eight west? So that to me is the biggest question right now is, is are you going straight through without resuming and and, and finishing off the regular season or even a portion of it? Uh, And then what does that playoff format look like?
0: Well, well, I mean, I think you raise a couple of very good points there in terms of the different playoff proposals that are are floating around you know you make mention of the 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 top 16 teams speaking it there's also the discussion of a playoff plus format where a couple mm-hmm. of those bubble teams can kind of play their way in there's also the uh the world cup group playoff stage type of uh format that's being discussed as well um but but judging by what you just said it sounds like you you I mean, is there a specific format that appeals to you, or is, is it the 16-team one, or is it the, uh, the this top eight per conference? I mean, which one seems to appeal to you? I, I think for me, I, I would prefer to see
3: the, the one through eight, um, you know, because there's already going to be, and, and listen, maybe, maybe the league doesn't worry about this, maybe the, the, the four of us don't worry about it, but there's going to be some section of the population and the fan base that no matter what happens, no matter what is decided, they're going to say, well, you know, the 2019-2020 the season, there's, there's forever, for you know, for the rest of the time, there's going to be an asterisk. I don't necessarily agree with that if you come back and have as close to a regular-looking NBA as possible. 100%. And to me, mm-hmm. the most regular-looking NBA would be East versus West, one through eight. If you suddenly now were to say, okay, we're coming back, but we're coming back with whether it's 72 games, 76 games, 82 games, either way, we're going to playoffs, and now we're going to go 1 through 16, and it's not going to be 1 through 8. Then it's already looking different. So what's the closest you know, semblance or, or resemblance to a regular NBA season? I mean, mm-hmm. if, if we look right now, I, I just pulled it up as we're talking. I'm sure you guys have it in front of you as well. Um, the Orlando Magic in the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference. Are what a half game out of the playoffs? The Wizards are six games out. Right. Now, could the Wizards have made up six games over the course of their final? Uh, would quickly do in the math here what 64 18 games would they have made up six games? Eh, it's possible, maybe. I mean, it's possible, yeah. I doubt right. it, but it's possible. Uh-huh. Uh, and then in the Western Conference, uh, you've got Portland sitting three and a half back of Memphis and the Pelicans and the Kings with the exact same record, three and a half out, with the Spurs four out and after that the suns being what six out now again if we're saying that the, the the wizards probably aren't getting in well then the suns are it becomes a little bit trickier i think if you look in the western conference then because of those yeah. teams that are only three and a half back that i acknowledge is challenging potentially mm-hmm. challenging i think it's far easier in the east but do you suddenly then say well we're letting three or four teams on that bubble in the west you know battle it out but we're only letting one or two in the east i don't know maybe maybe it comes down to something as simple as you have a mini tournament for the seven and eight seeds in both but again this is where we start uh kind of getting into the um how much are we going to change things up and switch things up and and, and kind of veer off the regular path because this is the problem that then exists as well in the east there's a wide gap between six and seven between the sixers and the nets but in the west there's only really a wide gap between seven and eight. So is it fair to, to, to open up, you know, the, the seven and eight seeds in the West when Dallas is that much further ahead than Memphis? But you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I, I don't know, but put it this way, in a very, very, very long-winded way, <laughs> there is no good answer. Um, there's going to be skeptics and critics on, on any decision that's made. So to me, from that standpoint, rather than completely splitting the atom in seven different ways, again, I'll repeat, what's the closest thing we can do to be as close to normal, as close to regular as possible? So at the very least, again, assuming that you're all under one roof, all all in one location, why not keep it east versus west and do it right. that way?
2: Yeah, and you and the thing is, you bring up a lot of good points about like there's going to be a lot of black backlash and no one's really going to be happy. And like you've already had players such as Damian Lillard come out and saying he's not going to try if he, if there was no point to go into the playoffs. um So yeah, there, there's definitely going to be a lot of backlash. I also believe that like they know this, the, the NBA, all in all. I believe the number is out there that if they don't come back, they might lose up to 900 million dollars in TV re- revenue alone So they have to do something to come back whether it's coming back with all 30 teams 16 teams all these different types of uh, Possibilities, but there's not really a good answer. I don't I don't think anyone has a good answer besides You know what we have to figure out a way to come back If it means that we're going to split up the there's no East or no West but come back into the playoffs Are we gonna do 72 games or 82 games? It, it doesn't matter. We have to come back. And, and I feel like uh, what, you know, what I'm getting is from from you, Eric, is that, you know what, if if we do come back, no one's going to not everybody's going to be happy. But as long as NBA is back in sports in general, I think that's what is going to make everybody else happy. Yeah. And,
0: and just to add to that point, I think that at the heart of this is really just, um, you know, what, what Eric touched upon earlier, which was just, you know, this is an if statement right like if if we're healthy enough if if all the right protocol is in place then yes we can come back um but that also stretches out further into okay if if the nba is returning is it safe to bring back 30 teams is it safer to bring back only 16 teams or 20 teams right and i guess the 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 growing perception uh, at least from from what i'm reading and what i'm hearing is that um the less teams you bring the The better right like some teams will feel like they're in a a situation that's a bit uh i guess safer for themselves and their families you know jason you already brought up the you know dame lillard and even bradley beal has previously stated that if, if there's no chance that his team is making the playoffs um and they're just trying to play out their string he's not gonna play either so um you know a lot of things is gonna go is are going to weigh into this um and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how Friday's call between Adam Silver and the, the various teams goes.
2: Absolutely. And I, I guess for, for the final one, uh, I guess the final point when it comes to this, the NBA coming back, I think the biggest question now is what will happen if a player gets infected? And I know that Adam Silver has already come out and saying if a player does get infected, you know, that will necessarily be the stop of the season. What do you think about that, Eric? Do you think that if the if the player or like let's say a star player, let's say Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kyle Lowry, LeBron James, all these players get infected, but they're not going to uh, you know stop the season, is that is this a good idea? The best answer I
3: can give you probably mm-hmm. is I don't know, <laughs> um, <laughs> because obviously with, you know not being a doctor and not playing one on the radio. Of course, um, I. What's the closest example we can use thus far? I suppose it's the soccer leagues that, that are playing uh, overseas and, and maybe UFC, where, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was just a couple of weeks ago that a fighter uh, came down with a positive test uh, either the day of or the night before, one of the big yes. uh, you know, yeah. and, cards. He mm-hmm. was taken out. That match was canceled, but none of the other matches were canceled. And, and to my knowledge, if I'm not mistaken, no other fighter tested positive uh, in, the, in the week or the two weeks that followed and, and up, even up until this point. We've, if I'm not mistaken, as well, had a couple of players overseas in in the various soccer leagues that have tested positive, but teammates haven't. So I feel like, listen, it's just the four of us talking without any access to the top health officials and and to the top politicians (laughs) and and to all the knowledge that's out there. We're just trying to guess and speculate. I've got to imagine, uh, and I feel pretty confident in saying this, that the NBA has access to as much information as possible to the to the top medical folks that are making these decisions, and I wouldn't believe that they would sign off on doing this, if they didn't believe that this was a prudent path. So absolutely, there, there's no denying that if Kyle Lowry were to test positive, that there would be some concern that Serge Ibaka OGN and OV, Fred Van Vliet, the rest of the team might also be positive. But if the league. As I believe I've heard is 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 trying to go down the path of either daily testing or extremely regular testing to the to the point of, you know, millions of dollars worth of testing. Uh, if they're willing to do that and and it's going to be again regular regular testing, I feel like you probably could safely do this, the biggest question obviously is uh, what happens if you know Kyle Lowry or any any player for that matter but what if one Absolutely, of your star yeah. players one of your superstars what if LeBron James uh the Lakers make it to the finals and the night before game 1 LeBron James tests positive and he's out for minimum 14 days and that's basically the, the duration of the finals what then you must move forward and and then clearly there's a an asterisk or a black eye or questions for the rest of time what would the Lakers have done had they had LeBron James so again None of this is going to be perfect, but there are many reasons and many dollar signs, I'm sure, as to why the league wants to be back, needs to be back, and I think even why the fans want to be back. And that's the other thing, too. Four guys sitting around talking right now that are all basketball fans that all want to watch the game. Well, then you want it back. So you can't then talk out of the other side of your mouth, when something goes wrong or something happens or something doesn't go your way, you say, well, I wanted mm-hmm. it back and I was really dying to watch something and I really thought the league should have returned. But, you know, uh, my favorite team got bounced in round one or one of my guys got sick or I didn't like the one through 16. It should have been one through eight. So, so uh, I don't, I, you know, that's a paper champ. That's a, that's not a real champion. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really agreeing that makes with sense. 2019, 2020. You know, you can't have it both ways. You either accept it and, and enjoy it as a fan or you move on. And listen, if your opinion is they shouldn't come back, and wait until next season, then fine, you have every right to criticize and complain. But to me, it's like, it's like complaining about uh, who gets voted in when you didn't actually go vote. You lose your voice if, if you don't vote. Well, to me, if, you, if you're all in on wanting it back and saying you're bored at home and you want sports and you want something to do and you want something to watch, then when it comes back, then I think you have to accept whatever form ultimately comes back.
1: It's basically like a Baker's can't be choosers type of situation. Yeah. Kinda, Plus, yeah, yeah. I mean, with all of the months that we've been off, clearly the league has been deciding stuff daily on an hourly, on a minute basis to get to where we are. So clearly they have a lot of um, schematics and ideas and systems set up for How this is actually going to work out? It's not like they just thunk it up like an hour ago. So,
3: well, and you got to figure for say, you know, let's let's go back to again playing that numbers game. And I don't want to get totally lost in all of the numbers, but you look at the East versus the West, uh, even even for the non uh, excuse me for the playoff teams, and not looking at the non playoff teams. Chances are the Raptors weren't catching the Bucks for the number one seed, but could Boston have tracked down Toronto for number two? So if you're a Celtics fan, you're you're kind of you know upset about the fact that oh we we only got the three seed uh you know we could have maybe had the two seed all right well if you're the raptor fan then you should be happy that you're locked into the two seed but you know there might be heat fans saying the same thing well hold on a second we're only two and a half behind you boston we mm-hmm. might have been able to track down the three seed and not been the four seed and and hell look at the western conference and just keeps you know going, only yeah. a game and a half between the clippers and nuggets and two three nuggets only a game and a half ahead of the jazz the jazz only a game and a half of the thunder the thunder only uh, or, or tide excuse me and then the the rockets only a game and a half ahead of the mavericks so all of those teams could be upset because you could even be the the seventh seed mavericks and say well hold on a second we're only a couple of games out of the potential four seed hell we're only four back of the three seed who's to say we couldn't have gone on a run so no matter what happens there is going to be people and teams that are upset but overall what is the best case scenario because to go back to to the point that you guys made as well and and i would agree If I'm Dame Lillard, if I'm the Blazers, if I'm the Warriors, if I'm the the Cavs or the Hawks, there's no chance you're making the playoffs. So why would I then leave my friends and family? Why would I go into the compound area, wherever it is, potentially Mm -hmm. risk Mm -hmm. an infection or whatever for meaningless regular season games? But at the same time, then what's the playoff format? Because are you just going to be super strict and say, you know what, Memphis is in, they're the eighth seed, and Orlando is in, they're the eighth seed, and that's it, period. Sorry, Portland. Sorry, Washington. Sorry, anybody else. It might mean that the league has to take the hardline stance because then you're not only cutting off those teams that were on the bubble, but you're also then saying to the other seeds, hey, that's it. That's where it ended. These are unprecedented times. This is something that hasn't happened to the world in 100 years since the Spanish flu. We couldn't have planned or predicted for something like this. So... Hey, sorry about the sour grapes, but yeah, Boston, you are the three seed. You don't have a chance at two. Sorry, Utah, you are the four seed. You don't have a chance to move up to three. It it just might mean those hard decisions where in that sense, everybody's taking a bit of a hit. Because technically speaking, could the Raptors have maybe tracked down number one? Yeah, technically. Could the Clippers have maybe tracked down the Lakers, five and a half back of LA uh, in, in the West? Yeah, maybe. So in that format, if you make that hard line cut, then everybody, everybody to some extent is having to swallow a little bit of a bitter pill because everybody's locked into where they are and nobody then should gripe because everybody's taken uh, a bit of a hit to some extent. Mm -hmm. Perfect.
1: As you've proven time and time again, You've been one of the go-to analysts for the Raptors. But I think when it comes to the question of the fans, I think that it's also important to get to know you just as a person, as a journalist, uh, what your hobbies are, uh, who you are just as a person, and and also your area of expertise of how you got to this point. So I think right now we're going to pass it over to to having some fan-related questions and um you know what? What they're pondering about you as a person, Eric Smith. So first off, we have that Instagram post of yours, where um, you were inspired by uh, your son's assignment to do a time capsule. So you released a bunch of your own um, favorite current objects, whether it be books or or games, uh, video or board, and uh, something that stuck out to me as as a journalist as well. Is um, your copy of the Howard Stern autobiography now? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a lot of people who aren't super duper into Howard Stern, they might kind of be written off of the fact that he might be a bit of a more shock jock type of um, type of personality who relies on shock humor. However, there's also the vulnerability side, and I, as as you have his autobiography, I'm sure that you're very into and with who Howard Stern is as a person and how he gets people to open up. So, uh, what as uh, as, as a journalist, what do you find uh, that you could take away from people, not just Howard Stern, but from journalists growing up? Like, who have been your biggest inspirations? Uh, what kind of um, tools of the trade did you discover for interview formats, for, for analyzing um, Howard Stern? Anybody who are your biggest influences?
3: Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just touch on Stern for a second, seeing as you brought him up. Uh, I, I believe I'm a little bit older than you guys, at least a little <laughs> bit older than you guys. Um,
2: no, no, you're, I, I know you can see you're, you're about 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: I would. <laughs> um, listen, anybody that, that has listened to Stern for a long time, there is a, a, a major difference between Howard Stern today versus Howard Stern 10 years ago, let alone oh, 20 yeah. years ago. And there's no oh, yeah. denying the shock jock component and, and a lot of the sort of uh, graphic or, 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 or adult humor and whatnot that still does exist to some extent on his show, but certainly not to the extent that it once did. And what I respect and appreciate about him and admire about him now is his ability to connect with people and his interviewing style and his interviewing skills and and, mm-hmm. and for me, I definitely have broadcasters play by play guys across all sports, and I can give you a, you know a, a bunch of names and I will um, that I respect and admire and that I looked up to and that I considered as as you know role models for, for lack of a better term as, as a young sports fan growing up but i would say many of the broadcasters that i respect and admire most are those that that can conduct good interviews and mm-hmm. i like to think that i'm a decent interviewer it's something that i enjoy doing even right now doing this instagram show that i do at night during the pandemic it's just a fun way for me to have conversations with people and to continue to hone my skills and hone my craft in terms of interviewing one of the things that i've said for years and I don't know that this is the best advice, but it's, the, it's, it's good advice for me that, that worked for me that I would pass on to others. Uh, whenever I do you know a, a, a chat with a, a high school class or a college class or something, this is the, the piece of advice I always give. And again, take it, take it for what it's worth. If it applies to you, great. I've never written a question down in over 20 years in broadcasting. Um, any interview I've done in a sit-down interview um, You know where it's a feature interview or when i'm hosting a three four hour radio show Mm -hmm. i don't write questions down i might Mm -hmm. write bullet points down of of information um i might i might i might have a couple of notes mentioned but i don't have question one boom question two boom question three boom because to me you have no idea where the conversation is going to go what direction it's going to take the answer that you get to question one does it make sense and flow into question number two? Mm is there an opportunity for a follow-up that you miss because you're so focused on asking that next question that you're not actually really listening or paying attention and thus you miss something you miss an opportunity to, to do that follow-up or to take the conversation in a different direction you go into a chat with me and and think it's going to go one way and all of a sudden i say something what well, even if it's not outlandish or, or controversial it's just interesting and right. we start taking it in that direction if you're so focused on, on concentrating on your piece of paper and on what you've got jotted down, you might miss that chance and the interview might not be as good. So to me, it's, it's not writing something down and it's just talking to people. And you have to be prepared in your mind. This is where you do your homework, where you should know your guest and a lot of stuff about your guest. Uh, and even if you're not breaking, you know, like I, I'm not necessarily going to get caught up in like, you know, finding all these crazy little tidbits that nobody else has and shocking the guests. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't. You knew that about me. How did you find that? Yeah, that can be interesting sometimes but just knowing your guest and your subject overall and that's where i think stern is fabulous yes. about getting people's guards down getting them to talk about stuff allowing them to kind of be themselves and and finding those little opportunities to kind of get in there and and, and pry away and peel back the layers a little bit more i think david letterman in a in an entertainment late night talk show format was very good at getting the 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 guard of his guests down and getting things out of people clearly larry king uh, when he was at the height of his his career was was a fabulous mm-hmm. interviewer as well current day i think george strombalopoulos is a hell of an interview bob mccown uh peter mansbridge i mean i could continue yes, to sir. throw names out um but again it's those conversations in those interviews that i i kind of appreciate more than anything else and that's why i like stern and, and other broadcasters over the years current day and past i mean I used to love, love, love listening to Dick Enberg, especially calling football games. And maybe that's as a Buffalo Bills fan. I got to see Dick Enberg and Paul McGuire calling games almost every Sunday in the early 90s uh, when the Bills were going to four straight Super Bowls and, yes, losing everyone, but still <laughs> going there. And so I, I saw the two of them together all the time. And, and, I mean, we were we were blessed as young fans in this city to have a hell of a, a, a baseball uh, broadcast crew in Jerry Howarth and Tom mm-hmm. Cheek. Oh, yeah. um you know bob costas and, and even to this day kevin harlan ernie johnson uh you know so many so many so many great people um and and hell for me even coming into the industry uh as at a very young age and working alongside bob mccown george Strombolopoulos elliot friedman yeah. uh you know Absolutely. over the years whether, whether it be a, a don landry of mike hogan chuck sworsky jack armstrong and now matt devlin paul jones leo routins like all these people that that I am colleagues with, but that I also got a chance to learn from as well. Um, so even if it's just watching somebody on television or listening on the radio or working, you know, shoulder to shoulder, I've just been, you know, blessed to have so many people to to help influence me and, and kind of, um, you know, guide me or, or help me hone my skills and, and just continue to learn.
0: Oh, that's, that's great. I love, love the, the advice that, uh, you know, you kind of dropped in there. I know you were speaking about, you know, Howard Stern, but you know, I'm sure that, that, that Jay and Drake probably agree with me that we're also thinking along the same lines. when We're talking to you about this, so uh, again, thanks for the, the the great feedback and 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 the great answer to that question. You brought up a couple of things that I want to bring up, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. But like the the Elliot Friedman, uh, you know, I think at, at one point you had uh, you know credited him with where you are today amongst the many people who have you know kind of helped you out along your journey. But uh, I believe is that at one point uh, you know he his decision to uh, leave the fan and pursue a tv spot opened up something for you so i guess the question then is you know as it pertains to ellie friedman if he had never left uh would you like what what would you have done like would you have you know I, i know it's a little bit far back out there but maybe you still end up with creating something like the midweek um but who knows but like what where do you, what do you think your career path would have been had Elliot Friedman not left?
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say because, I mean, I was, I was lucky enough, you know, this is a, a very, very long answer, and as you guys can tell, I, I'm very long-winded. So
0: um, <laughs> We appreciate I, it. I, I, yeah, I, we I was, do, I sure.
3: yeah, I was lucky enough, and, I mean, listen, I, I've always said this, that I, I feel that there's, there's, in anything in life, any job, not just broadcasting, but there's an element of luck, there's an element of skill. And when I talk about the skill, I'm by no means saying that in, in, a, in an arrogant or cocky way or anything. I just feel like if you're not good enough at something, eventually, you're going to be found out. It, eventually, it's going to come back. Whether you're a doctor, lawyer, broadcaster, you know, whatever you are, you, you're a construction worker, if you're good, you're going to stay employed. If you're good, you're going to continue to, to move up. It, you know, If you're not, you're not going to stay employed that long, or, it's, or, or you're going to find it tougher to stay employed, et cetera. But there's also a lot of luck you know even if you have uh you know dad opens the door for you, father-in-law opens the door the the, the neighbor the buddy that gets you the job whatever that's my, maybe luck but then you gotta have the skill to keep that job so in, in kind of tying in the luck and the skill I was hopefully skilled enough but acknowledging lucky enough to get an internship at the fan 590 in my final year of college so uh, I went to Humber and and part of the reason I chose Humber College was because of the fact that they had written into um, the, the description of their program. I was in the journalism program, not radio. Um, the last semester of your final year, it was a guaranteed internship. Now, you might not get where you wanted to go, but you were guaranteed an internship. I was lucky enough to get into the Fan 590. Well, as I'm getting into the Fan, within six months, everything just sort of flips on its head within the industry. So I'm coming out of college as the Raptors are in their second year of existence. So we already have this brand new team that at the time, I'm not going to say nobody cared about, but it was this new team. It was in Toronto, hockey mad city. If you were a basketball fan uh, or, or somebody that, that knew and loved the game like I did growing up, I'm in this weird Canadian that didn't play hockey. Like I, I played road hockey every damn day of my life. But i never once played ice hockey even as a timbit as a peewee as a whatever at any level i never played organized full equipment ice hockey i grew up playing basketball and baseball those were and and i, I liked to bowl even from time to time like i didn't <laughs> i didn't i didn't have hockey in my blood in terms of ice hockey so i covered the men's basketball team at humber for a couple of years i come out of college toronto's got this brand new team that's only been around for a season Suddenly, right. now I'm at the sports radio station, and I'm you know, clamoring to do more, do more, do more. And it's more like, hey, just do our coffee runs. Hey, can you just help us do some editing? You know, just do doing the grunt work, which is fine. Yep. That's what interns do. But six months in, I start doing some part-time producing. And, and you know, I'm, I'm booking some guests at night. I'm working on some shows. And I, I was afforded the opportunity to go down a few times and um, uh, you know, go to some practices and stick a hand in a you know, scrum and, and talk to some guys. And job shadow, uh, essentially, Elliot Freeman and George Strombolopoulos, who were the two primary basketball Raptor reporters at the fan at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, suddenly, um, Headline Sports starts up. Headline Sports years later would become The Score, The Score years later would become Sportsnet 360. But all of a sudden, when Headline Sports starts, they're this brand new sports station in Canada trying to compete with tsn and 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 trying to find their mark in the in in the landscape and competing with Sportsnet and whatever else and they come and they take producers engineers um uh reporters hosts on air staff from from tsn from the fan from the industry in general and the trickle down effect of that was the fan probably lost about i don't know eight to ten people both you know behind the mic and on the mic Mm uh and and replaced those eight to ten with you know two or three Well, one of the people that left was elliot friedman and i was fortunate enough to uh as a result of the trickle down of all of the 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 people that departed the fan i actually got hired full time and like got a job at the fan less than six months out of college uh i was just lucky enough right place right time had i graduated a year or two earlier or a year or two later that probably doesn't happen because now the you know either headline sports isn't even an idea yet or they've already been around for a couple of years and they've already hired their people Mm so Right place, right time for me. And then, as all of this is happening, and I'm beginning my first full year at the radio station, one year later, uh, the fan 590 acquires the Raptors' rights. So, the Raptors play by play was on CFRB 1010 for the first three years of existence, and they've been on the fan ever since. So now I'm established at the station. Elliot Freeman's gone. Barry Davis had taken over as the reporter in Elliot's absence, but I was right. sort of now shadowing with Barry. And then, as the fan acquired the rights, they basically made Barry the full-time pre-half and post and said, you're kind of like the number two guy. You go into the locker rooms, you get the tape, you do the visitor stuff, Barry will get on the air and host the show. And then when you're done with the locker room stuff and you have some tape and and you have some clips and comments from the players, you then join Barry on the air and you guys will sort of host it together and kind of be like the one-two punch. But Barry carries it until you're done in the locker room. So I'm still producing at night. I'm still producing on the weekends. But then I'm also double shifting and, and, and covering the Raptors, home games only, I wasn't traveling for the road games. Mm-hmm. And of course, Chuck Swirsky and Jack Armstrong had been hired to do the broadcast. Well, mm-hmm. we do that for one year, and Barry decides to leave to pursue other interests, and I get promoted to being the number one guy. You're now the host, pre-aff and post. Uh, That's and, crazy. You know, so I'm 25 years old, and I get to Jeez. take over the, the Raptors broadcast doing the pre-aff and post, and did that for, for seven years before I actually joined the broadcast itself and now I've been doing the broadcast for 15 years. So it's, it's, again, had Elliot not left, he's still the Raptor reporter, that door doesn't open for me, I'm still at the radio station, I'm still producing. So hopefully, yeah. to, again, in a very long-winded way, to go back to your question, <laughs> I don't know because I would have been at the station, I would have been producing shows, maybe I get a chance to do some reporting and some hosting, maybe, maybe it takes a little bit longer though, or maybe I end up just kind of staying in the producing role, maybe i leave and go into television and pursue other interests maybe right now i'm an accountant because my broadcasting career didn't take off i have no (laughs) idea um so it's 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 literally like just kind of the flurry of things that happened all at the same time uh had i been just a few years older or a few years younger even just the 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 raptors coming into the league and the franchise existing right at the time when everything's kind of happening for me and i'm finishing college even that sort of plays into the luck of the right place right time because i've got Mm -hmm. to imagine, guys. You know, you guys are passionate basketball fans that are doing a, a Raptors podcast, uh, and it's awesome that you're doing this. Um, but if the league were like, if, if the Raptors didn't exist, I, you I, know, I'm, I'm trying to find a, a trying to find a, a way of saying this without sounding like a complete jerk in saying this. This is <laughs> awesome that you're doing this, but I've got to imagine you'd love to be doing it on an even bigger level, right? On working for the fan or TSN or Sportsnet or or whatever. Absolutely, and of course, and part of the reason, perhaps, why maybe that hasn't been able to happen for you is because the league and the team has been established for so long now, the jobs aren't necessarily there or the availability of the jobs aren't there like it might've been for me in the initial phases when there weren't podcasts and blogs and as many sports networks and newspapers and so many people covering the team. It was a very sort of small, tight community. But now as the team has grown, as the league has grown, as the interest in the Raptors has grown, as their success has come, as the championship has come, it makes the competition for jobs, the competition for for everything, that much more difficult than it was in the infancy. I mean, if you're you're a football fan right now, you're a football broadcaster or an aspiring broadcaster or writer, and Toronto suddenly gets a team tomorrow, maybe, maybe it might be a bit easier, and I, I use that term loosely, easier, To get a foot in the door and to have a potential chance at a job because it's new it's in its infancy Mm -hmm. but in 25 years when that you know nfl franchise is established it's going to be a hell of a lot harder so that's where if i'm making sense in terms of my analogy and my comparison uh, I, i acknowledge the luck component of just coming out of college at the right time being at the station at the right time headline sports starting at the right time the fan acquiring the rights at the right time a lot of things just sort of played into helping me along the way. But as I say again, without trying to sound arrogant or like an a-hole, it, it also would come down to if I wasn't good enough to do the job, I wouldn't be afforded those opportunities or I wouldn't have lasted. So I hope that I've worked hard enough to earn these opportunities, to keep these opportunities, and then to earn more opportunities as my career has evolved and, and continues to evolve. Evolve, mm-hmm. excuse me. Um, and that's where you can't get complacent either. I just said to you, you know, a few minutes ago about even doing this, you know, the midweek show and doing these interviews, it's it's not just to kind of take up airtime and give me something to do. It also helps me hone my skills at a time where mm-hmm. I would have Absolutely. ordinarily been working and, and doing stuff. It keeps me fresh, it keeps me on me, my toes and I learn stuff uh, about myself and about my skill set and and continuing to practice. So, you know, even doing this interview, it's, 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 it's practice in a sense for me, cause I'm not used to being on the other end of the microphone and, and, and being <laughs> yeah. the subject. And I know one of the things I need to learn is the biggest fault I've already acknowledged two or three times. Is I'm extremely long winded, and I should probably <laughs> sh- shorten my answers down a bit. So it's like keep going, Aaron, keep going. I'm, I'm terrible at that. So you know, it's 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 all a learning process, and you've got to continue to learn as you go. I love it. Uh, well. It, People like you, uh, Eric, I mean, like
2: like I said off the top of the show, I mean, you're the one of the biggest, if not the biggest voice for Raptors, for us fans. And this podcast, yes, it, it is, you know, kind of in its infancies, but we're doing it because we love it. And I, we can tell that you love your job and how you present yourself in front of the microphone and giving the microphone during your interviews. We basically follow you as raptors fans and we just want to thank you again for giving us your time to do this i know you're a really busy man even during this time of quarantine you're still doing your mid- midweek pot and i'm sure a lot of the fan is probably asking you about like you know the nba coming back and hopefully you know cross our fingers that the nba does come back but again eric we can't thank you enough my friend uh thank you so much
3: for joining us on this podcast no problem guys happy to do it and uh, stay safe and healthy appreciate it
1: So Eric Smith's career was a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work, is what we learned from this golden interview. And it's just like the championship run, just like any sports team. That's how you get to where you want to get to. We thank Eric Smith so much for for joining us on our on our humble little podcast um, with his many years of expertise and um, his entire history with the Raptors organization. I think it was uh, great for all of us to have some of that on here. And- yeah. I, we were very fortunate to have him so thank you I think it was just
2: kind of nice to listen to Eric Smith talk about basketball again because like you know I don't know about you guys but or or the fans who are listening right now like I, I listen to hoops uh, I've been listening to midweek and Eric is like I said I wasn't exaggerating he is the voice of the Raptors for, like for me at least and to talk to have him you know tell us about the NBA what he thought about like the the pandemic and coming back into uh, the season or just going to the playoffs it was good insight and you know what it's a it was was a lot of um information that he 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 gave he gave us and it's something that i'm gonna take forward in this podcast other podcasts, or like in future endeavors really
0: yeah and uh you know the fact that he was able to kind of retell his his origin story as it were um was great too because for for anyone that's listening to this pod i mean it it kind of gives you a a sneak peek or at least a, a a view into what it takes to to, to make it in the industry if that's what you're, you're kind of gunning for right yeah. and you know he's obviously worked hard at his craft and he continues to work it's one of those things you just don't you know you don't rest on your laurels right like the, the raptors won a championship and continue to improve and get better so he's he's using that same mantra right it's i'm already you know the the, the play-by-play call play-by-play caller of, of a championship team i've been this for many years but you know what i'm going to start my own uh, you know, Instagram show and uh, continue to hone my skills. So that's a great lesson from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, like, like to echo both of your thoughts, like I thought that uh, that went really well. And, I, and again, I thank Eric for, for his time and, and specifically all the, the great little anecdote and advice he, he gave us along the way
2: yeah absolutely and the moral of the story is for me at least is you got to just shoot your shot man (laughs) but (laughs) let's let's close this episode off i hope you guys enjoyed it again thank you so much eric smith uh you guys know where to find him you don't need to know where to where to find him you know where he is but dre where can the fans find you my friend
1: uh speaking of shooting your shot uh here's all the ways that us three are trying our best to, to fight and keep active and shoot our Shots. You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs. And you can follow my film editorial and review website. Films Fatale. F-I-L-M-S-F-A-T-A-L-E No spaces. And um, on that note, uh, June 1st, I'm officially revealing my top 100 films of the 1990s. Every two months, we're doing the top 100 of each decade in reverse order. 2010s is done. 2000s is done. 90s is coming up. And I have a very bad feeling that this is going to go very well and also very poorly um, because I feel like a lot of fan favorites aren't on there. Um, I I swear you can only fit 100 films. It's not easy. So uh, let us know what you think. Um, Jay, where can we find you?
0: Uh, I look forward to seeing where Encino Man ranks in your your list. Uh, I look forward to that. Uh, But you can find me on raptors hq uh you find this podcast and all my writing there um, you can also find me on twitter at Rosalesaurus. and uh yeah i'm sorry i'm still on cloud nine right now i don't even yeah, know what same. to say like talking to eric <laughs> was great I, I wish that could have gone on for for a lot longer but hey uh, again eric thanks again for jumping on here this is great to have you on hopefully not the last time and uh yeah jason where can we find you awesome yeah
2: man i again i'm in the same place i'm like it's almost like the time when you know Kawhi shot his shot his shot and went in i mean frig, we we shot our shot with eric smith and i hope you guys do the same when with whatever you guys are trying to do because there was this was the gem of an interview but uh you can find us all of us on it twitter at that's a rep pod and instagram at that's a rep podcast on email at that's a rep podcast at gmail.com and all your podcatchers just search up raptors hq because that is our home base man i love doing this with you guys but until next time that's a rap